Hello, I'm Leanne Townsend, the owner of Townsend Family Law and an experienced family law lawyer practicing in all areas of divorce law in the city of Toronto. Welcome to Divorcing Well. In this week's episode, I'm really excited to have as my guest, Tracy Poisner, who is a mentor and a parenting coach for divorced or alienated fathers. And our topic this week is a really good one. Uh, it's bridging the gap between what your lawyer can do for you in a custody dispute and what you have to do for yourself. So I think this is going to be really informative and I'm really excited to have Tracy here today. So welcome to the podcast, Tracy. Thank you. It's nice to be here. Thanks, Leanne. Why don't we start by having you tell uh, listeners a little bit about your background in the work that you do? Sure. I've been in the natural health industry for about 25 years, seeing clients in my office and uh, studying homeopathy is the core of my practice. So, you know, studying intensively for a really long time until the present, actually. And I learned a great deal while I was you know, involved in this pursuit about family dynamics, about uh, personal psychology, childhood development, family constellations. And all of that information became incredibly useful to me when I got together with my second husband, who was going through a divorce, and who um, had to face a lot of parental alienation issues with his kids, long distance parenting, whole raft of things. And I was able to be really helpful to him and to his family because I had all this training. And at one point, about 10 years into our relationship, when things had really finally settled down, and I'm sorry for people to hear maybe that it took 10 years for things to settle down. But um, I, I sort of wondered to myself, what do people do who don't have access to all of that years and years of training that I had. And it occurred to me that I could, you know, make myself useful in some way. And I actually started out working with stepmoms. I started a podcast called Essential Stepmom. I started a Facebook group for stepmoms, which is still running now. Um, and I started to do one-on-one -on -one coaching. And as I got into that more deeply, it started to become obvious that the more serious problem in this kind of union belonged to the father of the children in question. So the moms wanted a lot of coaching about how to help their partner deal with all this terrible alienation, how to help him when he was feeling so crushed because his kids don't want to come over or how to help him when his ex-wife is not following the, you know, the court orders and they're having to go back to court again and again, or how to make a relationship with these children who are, seeing so little of their dad often, or that at least even if it's 50-50, that, you know, the transition times are so terrible. I mean, there were all these issues coming forward, but I could see that most of it really belongs to the guy. You know, these are problems that, that the dad has to resolve, and she can't do it for him. And so then I sort of pivoted and started directing my attention specifically at the dads and even more specifically at the problem of parental alienation, which is huge, as you know, I don't have to tell you. And, you know, high conflict custody disputes and things that start up even years after the divorce. Like, I have a lot of clients who would tell me that things were okay for five or six years. And then as the kids started to become, move into the teenage years, 
that was really when the the heavy alienation started. So it wasn't even a function of the dynamics of the divorce in the beginning that made things so bad. That's kind of how I got into all of this. And because it's in my nature to um, connect the dots, so to speak, and even to collect the dots and choose the dots and turn them into something, you know, I'm I'm always about um, sort of codifying things so that they can be reproduced and taught. So I spent a lot of time interviewing um, blended families, interviewing stepmoms, interviewing dads, because I really wanted to find out what aspects of the things that we did that worked are happening in other households that are having a good result. I didn't want to be passing on stuff that was a one-off, like it worked for us, but it wouldn't work for someone else. I wanted to find out what was at the core of what we did that worked out for us that other people could reproduce. And so that's what I've been teaching now for the last four or five years. Well, that's great. And it's certainly uh, an area where like, I don't find there's a lot of other coaches working in this space. And it is so needed because there are unfortunately a lot of alienation cases out there. And, you know, more often uh, it is the dad who's the one who's alienated. And it's, you know, I think very hard for them to, to navigate through that situation. Uh, and, you know, as I say, there's not a lot of support and resources for them. So I think it's great that you're working in this space. Thanks. Yeah, I think so too. I I have the same, I get the same impression. And I sometimes people are surprised to hear that I only work with dads. And of course, it's not that I like turn away moms and say, go away, I don't help women, you know. But I I feel very strongly that the dynamic is so different in the household of the alienated father or the alienated mother. It is a completely different story. And I don't know anything that could help those alienated mothers, like the the kind of man who would who would keep his children away from their mother, like with the psychology of that and the the practical things that need to happen to change it. It's completely, completely different than what the dads experience. And so I'm really just being honest when I say that I know that I can help the dads and for the moms, it's a big question mark for me. So I have had successful clients who are mothers wanting, you know, it, being successful in getting back into contact with their kids even after years. But it's not what I consider my area of expertise. So I'm I'm just much more comfortable sharing with the dads. And then I can also, um, I don't have to water down my advice to make it fit everybody. I, right. I'm very specific about what dads have to do. And that's very different than what moms have to do. It's a completely different energy. So when a dad comes to see you and, mm-hmm. you know, he's telling you that he thinks he's been alienated from his children and his lawyer isn't doing anything. As, <laughs> us lawyers, we just charge money yeah. and don't do anything. Yeah, right. to be a common, <laughs> yeah. common theme amongst family law yeah. clients. Um, even though we feel like we're overworking and burned out, but apparently yeah. you know, we don't do anything. Yeah. But so he comes to see you, he says, I'm alienated. My lawyer isn't doing anything about it, or it can't seem to do anything about it. You know, what do you do with that? Where, where, how do you help them? 
Yeah, I say it's not your lawyer's job to fix this problem for you. And this is why it isn't happening for you. This is why you're not getting anywhere because you are expecting someone else to fix this for you. You, as a lawyer, you can deal with custody issues. You can deal with the time piece and the money piece. And like, you know, when do the kids show up? What are we going to ask for? What do we get the judge to do? You can't stop the the mom from disobeying the court orders. You as a lawyer can't stop that from happening and actually neither can he. You can go back to court and you can talk about contempt of court and you know you can file all of those things. But like you can't stop the mom from saying stuff to her kids that or from crying when they leave to go to dad so that they feel guilty. You can't stop the mom from from like looking disinterested when the kids talk about the nice things they did with their dad or from getting really interested and very connected when they describe something bad that happened to them at dad's house. Yeah. So like you, you can't do that for them. And they don't understand that, you know, like right. the amount of, you know, correspondence or emails I get from clients setting out those types of situations that their, their ex is saying and doing all these things. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, I can put it in a letter, yeah. um, but that really has no, right. no binding effect on a parent no. who is hell bent on behaving that way. No, it doesn't. So like my position is that I set out to say, we need a solution to this problem and we have to be able to implement it no matter what is happening in the other household. No matter if you never get to see your kids, you, you can still be in charge of the relationship that you have with them. And as the father, as a parent, as the adult, it is your job to be in charge of the relationship that you have with your children. and. If there are obstacles, it's your job to overcome them. Like, just guess what? Like, stuff is hard in life, and we have to adapt ourselves to. I'm not talking about sucking it up. I'm talking about changing your strategy to get your result in a different way. We're so used to expecting things to be fair. And yes. especially when you're going in, when you're involved in the legal system. You want to believe in justice. You want to believe in, in fairness, right? And the truth is that it is not always fair. And fairness is only ever in the eye of the beholder. Yeah, it's subjective. And right? I mean, I always say to clients, it's not a justice system. It's a legal system. And there's a exactly. difference. I, I agree with you completely about that. So it's part of the issue is that like an unrealistic expectation that you're it working with a justice system and that you know that a judge or your lawyer or the other lawyer or whatever is interested in some kind of um fair or equal or balanced situation but that's not what happens and if anything i would say that that i think divorcing parents and their lawyers need to understand better that you have to have a win-win conclusion to this because a parent who feels hard done by is going to use the children as a kind of a weapon to exact revenge. They will and they can and they do. 
And so you just don't win anything by getting that amazing custody situation that you wanted or by like, you know, having to pay so little um, child support that you, you know, totally got off easy or whatever. It's going to come around to bite you in the backside. So we can't, it's not, this is not like a property dispute where you get to win and you get now you, the, you know, the property line is redrawn between your house and your neighbor's house and you get a little more yard or whatever. Like you have to live in your family dynamic bubble with this person forever. And you can be divorced from them, but as long as they are in contact with your children, they they do have some power over you. And that's the truth. So we just have to be so much smarter and we have to up our game to the next level to figure out how to how to beat this and it can totally be done, but it's not going to be the way that you think. And you have to let go of needing it to happen the old way. One of the things I come across, particularly with clients I have who are dads uh, who don't have the best relationships with their children, particularly their, their teen children is they often seem to put it on the child. Like, you know, well, she doesn't, my daughter doesn't want me to come to her you know, baseball game, yeah. she plays baseball or her dance recital. She, she doesn't want me to like, rather than um, like, I often feel that they, they seem to act like the child is in charge of everything right. and they're, they're not the parent who should be in charge. And, and I, I don't understand, you know, or like my, she never wants to come to my house or my, my son never yeah. wants to come to my house. So, you know, I bought a car for one child, but I'm not going to buy one for the other because they never want to come to my house. And I I don't know, like, I feel like it's as a parent myself, I always feel it's incumbent on me as the parent to be the initiator. Like, I don't I don't keep score. You know, I have children now who are 20 and 22 and they're both way, you know, at university and whatnot. I don't keep score of how many times they call me versus how many times I call them. I just... I want there to be lots of contact. So I initiate it. Right. I reach right. out. There's no scorecard. It doesn't matter. But I find some of the dads who I find who don't have great relationships with their kids, it's like there's a scorecard and their ego is yeah. wounded and they yeah. they don't want to put them, they don't want to keep putting right. themselves out there. And, and, yeah. and I, I don't understand that. I'll be honest. I'm as a mother, I, I don't right. understand why you wouldn't just keep putting yourself out there. But so it sounds like you find that to be a common issue with some of the dads you work with or an, an issue that comes up. Sure. And what I, what I try to, convey to them is that you know we have to it's really important to shift your mindset in this kind of this is not normal parenting you're not in a normal family and I'm by normal I mean like certainly half of the families are in this kind of dynamic it's not that it's not common or or ordinary but it doesn't match our template of what family what we think it's supposed to be and you really have to shift your mindset away from your rights and your needs onto your responsibilities and to step into a place of sovereignty over what's happening. Because if you're looking to your children to meet your emotional needs, then you're in a child place. You are not in a sovereign place. It's not correct that your children should be meeting your basic emotional needs. You have to be okay as an individual 
before you can parent your children. And that's exactly what most of these guys would accuse their ex of, of being like uh, leaning emotionally on the children or of requiring the, the children to take care of her emotionally. And they don't see that they're doing the same thing by saying, well, they don't want to come to see me or they're not answering my phone calls or my daughter doesn't want me at her dance recital. Boo hoo. Like get over it. Yeah. You're the dad. You're going to have to do something uncomfortable and show up anyway. And you're going to go there with flowers and you're going to do it again and again and again. And you're going to say, I'm here because I'm your dad and I'm proud of you. And it's my job to show up here and let you know that I'm proud of you. Right. You're not going to make a scene with the mom and you're going to be discreet and everything else. But you you can't succumb to this feeling of this is going to be awkward. They don't want me to be there. I'm going to feel so stupid. Um, like it, it just feels so uncomfortable. Yeah, you're going to have to get out of your comfort zone and you're the dad and that's what dads do. Exactly. You would run into a burning building for this child, right? But you can't show up at a dance recital because you're going to be embarrassed. Like get over it. Yeah. You have to get over it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's just so well said. And, you know, and that's what I feel like saying. And maybe I, in some ways I do say it sometimes to, to some of these guys is, you know, you got to just keep putting yourself out there. You got to, you know, you might get, keep getting rejected maybe, but like, you've got to keep showing up. I'm going to make an analogy here. Okay. And maybe I I hope nobody feels offended by this, but you know, there is father function and there's mother function and clearly men and women can both engage in father function and mother function activities in their household but you know a child is wired to need certain things from mother and certain things from father which are which are different it's it's in our and it's in our inner wiring okay we just come into the world with these expectations there are male and female functions. And I know it's so not politically correct to talk about this, but it exists in the plant world. It exists in the plumbing world, right? We we talk about a, a male fixture and a female fixture. And plants and animals, everyone has this. The male function is about giving. The female function is about receiving. So obviously men and women both give and receive. Uh, this is not a, you know, Tracy said that men only give and women, whatever. I want you to get into the flow of feeling that fatherhood is about giving and giving and giving, not writing a check and buying a car or whatever. It's about sending outward your signal, your bat signal of connection to your child and love and support and pride for their accomplishments, whatever, right? You are just giving your signals outward. And you have to do that regardless of what comes back. Because what comes back is not relevant to your father function. It just isn't. It's relevant to you as a human being who is who has human needs for, for family connection. That's different, right? Where your human needs are not being met you go and see a counselor, you have a partner, a new wife, a girlfriend, you have friends, you have family, you find ways to get the the physical affection and the human connection that you need as a person. But as a father, you just keep giving. And it doesn't matter if anything is coming back. That's why I say it's about your responsibility. You stand in your responsibility and you you disconnect from, from your rights. Like where you're, you have a right 
to be treated in a certain way, or you have a right for the court to give you this or that. It's it's this is not a story about your rights. It's a hundred percent about your responsibility. And the thing that's beautiful about that is that you never can have a bad outcome because there is no court of law that can require you to be a less responsible parent. Right? right. Like they can they can make it harder for you to exercise your responsibilities and that stinks. But there is no there's no judge and no court and no ex anywhere who can tell you that you you're going to just have to be less responsible. You just get to say that doesn't happen. No, you can't exactly. tell me how responsible to be. And in that in that mindset you're completely in control of the narrative. You take back the narrative and say this is about my responsibility and I'm going to jump over hurdle after hurdle after hurdle. Just watch me go. Exactly. Now, are there ways that um, dads in these situations can use technology or social media to their advantage? Absolutely. And they should be doing those things. I, I see a lot of people who open a Facebook account or, you know, Twitter or some kind of social media account where they, this is going to be their platform for educating people about parental alienation and how terrible it is. And they're going to talk about how what a bad deal they're getting and how they don't get to see their kids and they want a lot of support and sympathy from people. And this is not the message that you want your children to see who are trolling you on social media. Yes, they are. So the subliminal message underneath all of that is your mother is a terrible person for doing this bad thing to me. It's just maintaining this conflict that keeps them in the middle. And what you want to do with this incredible free advertising that's going out to your children right now is you want the exact message to land that you want them to hear, which is, first of all, that which is, I am completely okay. You are not responsible. You and your mother are not responsible for me being unhappy or not functioning in some way because that's not okay and you also want to show that you're thinking about them that you love them that you're proud of them right so you're putting up pictures you are following whatever they're doing that you possibly can manage even if you only have old pictures definitely on a birthday definitely on a you know a graduation or some kind of accomplishment you are going to comment here's my son or here's my daughter Aren't they amazing? I'm so proud of them. That's you want them to go to your social media and see that it's a lie that their dad doesn't think about them or doesn't love them, right? That's like worth a thousand times more than thinking you're going to educate them about parental alienation. Like, yeah. like it's not their job to understand that their mother is wrong. It's their job to know that that you love them and their inner instinct about that is correct. That some part of them inside knows that they can count on you. And look, the reason, I mean, anyone will say this, that the reason that the targeted parent is called the favored parent at the same time is because they know that you love them no matter what. They can count on you to keep loving them no matter what they do or say to you. And they cannot count on the alienating parent for anything. They have to follow what in this case, in this particular case that we're talking about the dad. So they have to follow what mom wants or they will lose her love. 
That's the fear. So if you think about it, they're making the smart choice. It hurts you as the dad, but if you think about them as being kind of hostage of this situation, they need to survive and they're doing the right thing. So what you want to do is give them what they need to survive in this terrible situation until they can find their way back to you, either by maturing out of the sort of intensity of their need for their mother or by her, you know, it does happen sometimes having a change of heart and, you know, going easy a little bit, whatever might happen, you just want to use this time to give them what they need so that they can hang on and come back to you. That makes sense. Um, Are there any new parenting techniques that um, dads can use as well to help them in these situations? They're all new parenting techniques because, (laughs) yeah, because it's not the same kind of family that you're parenting inside of. So it's not so easy to parent a child who, who can say, I don't have to follow your rules. Mom says your rules are stupid. I don't need to, like, I don't have the same bedtime here as, you know, mom lets me stay up till as long as I want. I don't have to eat my vegetables at mom's house. Like, I'm not doing what you say. I'm not coming here anymore if you make me do my chores or make me do my homework or whatever. It's not, like, it's not obvious how to continue to be a parent. And what I see very often is that dad's default to sort of being the buddy so that they stick to doing the fun things and being more of a buddy. But, you know, like anybody can toss a football in the backyard. Anybody can order a pizza who has a credit card or drive people around, you know, like the parenting, the fatherhood is about the boundaries. That's, it has to be about that. So, How do you hold boundaries with kids who are going to say no? And if you make me do that, I'm not coming back. You know, it's all new parenting techniques. They they're not hard to learn. They're just not your automatic reflex. So you have to get used to doing things in a new way, which is not caving because they don't want you to cave. They want to see you. They want to they're pressing on you to say, I'm not coming here anymore. And what they mean is show me what you've got. Show me what you've got. And there are so many different ways of responding to that kind of situation. But the energy is, I'm your dad, and I love you. And it's important for me to make sure that you are getting what you need to grow into the awesome person that I know that you are. And if you don't go to bed or whatever, I know that you're going to be super cranky tomorrow or that you're not going to get your, you know, you're going to be too tired for school or that you're not going to do well at football practice or that you're going to, you know, have fights with your friends and then your friends won't want to hang out with you anymore just because you're not getting enough sleep. You you have to be not so much quick on your toes, but you you have to develop a repertoire that you can, you know, a library that you can dip into of like, how do I respond to this situation? Oh my goodness, what's look what's happening now. How do I deal with that? And I think the biggest thing that I would, you know, if I could leave listeners with one tip, it would be that 
it is not important um, that the consequence has to match the the offense, so to speak. So, you know, a lot of dads get really, they're quick to say, if you don't do that, you know, you're going to, you know, you're going to be grounded or you're going to lose your iPad or they like, they go for the, they, they want to impose a consequence that feels strong to them so that they can demonstrate that they're strong. And that's not what's necessary. What's necessary is that I said this was going to happen and now it happens, even if it's something small. And this is where sometimes the stepmoms find that it it sort of offends their sense of parenting. Like this was really serious and there should be a really serious consequence, you know, just, okay. A random example would be to say, like, I said, we were going to go for ice cream after supper and we're going to go. But if you don't have your homework done, you're getting the baby size cone. If you get your homework done, you get the jumbo cone you know, and it does not take very many times of getting the baby size cone, but you didn't cancel the event, right? right? You didn't say, we're not going, we're just not going for ice cream. You said you were doing your homework, you didn't do it. Now we're not going right. And inside you feel terrible, because you want that experience of going for ice cream with your kid who you hardly ever see. Yeah. But you also have to make the point. You know, somebody asked me the other night, one of my clients said, yeah, but don't they figure it out like that they're going to get the thing anyway? And so they don't have to do it. There is still there's a message there, right? Like, what if they're okay with the baby size cone? Maybe they are, but they're still getting the message that you said, you said this was going to happen, and then you did it. And, you know, kids want to, they want to be in a situation where they can seek your approval. And they need to know how to do that. What's important is that you do what you say that you're going to do. It's not important that what you say you're going to do is something like big and scary or like to show how strong you are, right? My husband used to have this this thing with his kids when they were smaller that um, when they would misbehave or act up or be disrespectful or whatever, he would chase them around the house with his, he would take off one of his leather sandals, you know, and and he'd be hitting it really hard on his hand, like, and as if he was coming to like beat them up with this sandal, you know, and he would finally get them in a corner and he'd pin them in the corner. But the joke was that the punishment was to smell the stinky sandal. <laughs> right. And so like he got to make his point, like you can't do that. I'm bigger than you. I'm your dad. I'm going to stop you from doing this thing. But the actual punishment was something relatively lighthearted. That allows you to assert yourself as the parent so that they get to feel this boundary, but they don't get to say to their mom, I'm not going to dad's house anymore because we laugh and I smell his stinky sandal when I act bad. Like, you know, that's not a very big complaint. So you need to take the sting out of the exercise of, of holding these boundaries so that they get to see the boundary and feel it, but not, um, not feel so negative about it that it's going to be something that they're going to be able to complain about and that mom is going to be able to make into a big deal because that that's a thing that happens too. Right. Um, now, I always like to leave listeners with something positive or some hope. And so um, with the clients that you've worked with, with alienated dads, um, have you had cases where, you know, through your work with them, they've been able to make progress or inroads 
uh, in their life or their relationship with their child? Yes, all of them, all of them. Um, yes, there's always a way to make inroads. And sometimes they'll say like, that took me a while to get the hang of, but does that ever work? You know, there are a lot of techniques and new, you know, it's a new mindset about parenting. It's a new way of interacting with, with the mom. I'm a huge fan of using the co-parenting apps for communication. People think that this is just like, like a, a way to a place to store your conversations. That's not it at all. This is a place to direct very important conversations that are now on the record, potentially before the court, right? Like you can be so in control of these conversations that all of the things that people say, you know, oh, she calls me on the phone and rakes me over the coals about this or that, or I, you know, we have this same conversation again and again, and nothing ever changes. I'm like, you want to start having these conversations inside the app where you are politely requesting more information about something or help me understand why our child doesn't want to come to my house. What do you know about that? How can we help our child to feel comfortable in both of our homes? Either she's going to actually give you some useful information, which is a good thing, or she's going to tell you to drop dead which is only going to show a pattern of not wanting to cooperate as a co-parent, or she's going to ignore your messages altogether and not answer them, which also shows a, a, a pattern of not cooperating. So you cannot lose by, by being clever about using a co-parenting app to have all your communications. I agree. Now, if there's listeners out there who would like to learn more about you or potentially work with you, how can they best find you? I am at undeletabledad.com. You can find everything you need right there. Perfect. And I'll post the link with the podcast. Thank you so much, Tracy, for coming on the podcast today. I think you provided some really helpful information. So thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. And thank you to my listeners. Please like, subscribe, and join me here again next week on Divorcing Well. Hi, my name is Janet Finaki, and I'm the host of the Resilient People podcast. I interview regular people from around the world who've experienced something major in their lives, bounced back, and found a purpose in helping others be resilient too. They're folks like you and me, and their stories are totally relatable, extraordinary, and inspiring. I had no idea what I could do until I did it. But it's the motivation of doing for other people that you know need support, need help, that you're able to really push and dig and find what you can do. Have an open discussion and not write us off and allow us to actually talk about our disability. Like, don't assume my limits mm -hmm. for me. You know, we went for a drive, told her what her mom was going through and what the likely outcome is going to happen. And we both just bawled. And then finally, Kate just said that we need to have hope. And to be resilient, you have to, you have, to have hope. Join me as we get to know some incredibly resilient people. The Resilient People Podcast is everywhere you get your podcasts. Subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Thank you for joining me on Divorcing Well. If you have any separation or divorce questions, you can get in touch with me via my website at www.leannetownsend.ca.